Hey, husband. Yes, wife. Why did the pirate go to the Caribbean? Why? For some R and R. Wow. Welcome back, everyone, to Random Thoughts solo edition. So I'm going to be trying to man the ship all by myself this time. And since wife really is the brains and the brawn and putting the, the show on her back, hopefully I won't cause too much of a mess for her and create too much of a disaster on the back end. Uh, we already had a little bit of technical difficulties, so we're not off to a great start due to my mess up. So I'm sure I'll hear about that later, but <laughs> we'll, we'll deal with that. Later me has to deal with that. So to try and put all the pieces together, I do have a special guest with me this evening who happened to be one of the major placers in the most recent Gen Con event in 2017. So special guest, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about, well, you? Hey, uh, my name's Nathan Cole. Um, from Indiana, lived all over the country and currently in Chicago right now. Oh, I was going to ask you about... Uh, about Indiana a bit, because that's, well, honestly, where wife and I met. I don't know if we've said that on the show before. We're in really? uh, Indiana. Uh, Lebanon. It's about 30 miles northwest of Indianapolis. Okay. Yeah, a buddy of mine from college used to live out. Uh, I think he still lives in Indianapolis. He'd been moving around for a while. So we know the, the area pretty well, because as I said, that's where we first met and fell in love. So. Oh, cute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Apparently, it's not Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. It's Indianapolis. Well, I I disagree with you there. I think Philly's <laughs> got to keep on that. <laughs> Philly, Philly has some stuff. I'm wife yeah. has said it before. I'm originally from Jersey, so I'm not a huge fan of Philadelphia, but oh. it is what it is. <laughs> so I uh, I had cut you off, but you were saying you were talking about you living in Chicago now. How did you get your start in the Wow TCG? All right, so I actually. Um, a friend of mine from church when I was growing up, uh, he went to Gen Con, and so he brought back uh, you know, like a goodie bag or something where they gave out starter decks for Dark Portal. And so he gave me two of those, and so I played with my cousin, introduced my cousin to the game, and so we just kind of uh, dove in headfirst. Um, so I started playing organized play around World Breaker and Elements, kind of that summer of... Uh, 2011, I think. Yeah, that was about it. Yeah. So what did drew you in? We were talking before the recording a little bit about the MMO and the TCG. Did you start with the MMO and then transition to the TCG, vice versa? Did they kind of go hand in hand or how did that work out for you? Uh, yeah, so I played the MMO. Uh, when it first came out in vanilla, I got to the ripe old level of 34, I think, before, <laughs> before I gave up on it. Did that take you like uh, five years? Because that's probably how long it yeah, took. Yeah, it was a lengthy process. Yeah. Back in, I had to level up. Um, I played back in, what was it, Wrath. And I came back for Cataclysm and then Draenor, and I'm not currently playing at this time. Are you planning on jumping back in, or is uh, Legion and whatever the next one's going to be not enticing you? I mean, they're enticing. It's just a big time sink that I can't really afford right now. So That's fair. So uh, we were talking a little bit about WoW, but do you have any experience with other card games? Do you play other card games now or other games in general? 
Um, I've actually been trying to train, trying to find that uh, that niche again. I'm currently dabbling in Hearthstone, but not like you know very casually, just playing every now and again. So would you say WoW was is or I guess always has been your primary card game? Oh uh, yes, definitely. Uh, WoW is definitely my primary game. So did you take it very seriously at the competitive level, or were you, you know, a battleground grinder kind of thing? Um, I tried to take it seriously. I, uh, I went to nationals in, let's see, what was that, 2012. Got my, uh, got day two and my sketch Edwin on that day, so that was great. Nice. Um, yeah, I did some darkening fairs. I, all, let's see, I went to Worlds in 2012 as well, and I, like, I actually scooped uh, Marcin, uh, what's his name? Filippowitz. Who's uh, frequently top played. I actually scooped him in the top 16 in the last round, so it was very close on tiebreakers. Okay. But, so you have some, some credentials to your name, is what you're telling me? <laughs> that's a little, a few. Yeah. So is that Sketch Edwin still in your possession? Like, is that mounted on the wall? It's uh, it's sleeping in a deck, but not mounted on the wall. Okay. Yeah, I, still, still have it. There are a few of those cards out there. Like, I'd love to get a hold of that, or the uh, I actually don't own any Edwin still to this day, but I would love to get a hold of the uh, those Cairns that were given out of Worlds one year and, oh, and yeah, the Keltus odds. I did yeah, get my one prize possession is the uh, at least from for WoW TCG is, and it's such a, a silly story is I. When the Metamart was doing those grab bags at Dark Moon Fairs, mm-hmm. I didn't realize, like, I had no idea who they were. I had always, prior to that, ordered from Warcraft Gaming Center. And I had bought one of their grab bags on a whim, and I walked away. And I opened it up, and I'm like, what is this? It turned out to be one of the, the uh, uh, I don't know if it was a Blizzard employee, but it was one of the alt-art Lich Kings. So it was the Lord of Ice Crown. Oh, yeah. So I was super excited about that. And that one's still, like, that's part of the reason why I always want to play Scourge decks or Death Knights is just for the sake of putting it in a deck. Right. Do you do the same thing? Do you try and squeeze that Edwin into everything you built? Uh, in Corn Contemporary, I did, but not with Classic. Okay. Well, that's a good segue. So at the most recent Gen Con event, obviously it was Classic. It's going to be Classic again. Are there any general thoughts before we go into what you played particularly last year? Any general thoughts on Classic that you want to throw out there? Um, it's a huge format. Like There are so many decks that are viable that it's hard to keep them all straight. Uh, there's just a lot to think about when you're doing Classic deck. That's definitely true. Possibilities with deck building. Yeah, the format seem, definitely seems very, very open at this point. Although there are some at least in our opinion, some clear standouts. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that it's at the point where you could even say things are settled. There's there's definitely a lot of room for discovery. Right, definitely. Which actually kind of leaves us really with your deck because it is so different than really, honestly, anything that I would say we've seen anyone talk about, play with to this point. And it's with a hero that is near and dear to me because I've been desperately trying a whole bunch of builds with this guy. So for those of you out there who aren't familiar, you can check out our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com, and under the Retro Wow 2017 decklist section, Nathan's deck is up there, and it's Mogdar Frozen Heart. 
Tell us about this guy and why you picked him, because I love this hero. Well, the uh, the dual class heroes are near and dear to my heart. Like when I whenever they come out, I just like my mind explodes with all the combo combinations you can do with that aren't or, no, ordinarily available with a single class deck. So yeah, I love, I love like the scourge heroes from the last set that had like could use shaman equipment and druid spells or something like I tinkered around with those when they came out. And so the the dual class heroes are my, some of my favorites. Yeah, they're definitely up there for me as well, and especially when you're talking about Death Seer's Ubarage. I played him in the 2016 Gen Con event because I was, again, an excuse to play the Lord of Icecraft card we were talking about earlier. <laughs> so, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> now I'm looking at your list, or at least what we thought was your list. So correct us if there's something wrong here, or maybe you've made tweaks since then. Starting with the allies, you were running some. Obsidian Dragons, and Commander Wolfox. Yes. So, normally I found the, the dragons to be a little slow, but obviously, not spoiler alert people, etch Dragonbone Girdles in here. So, <laughs> how did they work out for you? Were you happy with how they performed? Did, were they the best of the worst options sort of thing, or somewhere in the middle? Yeah, the, uh, the dragon, uh, etch Dragonbone Girdles, obviously a great draw engine. And so uh, I just included a couple of dredges and dragonets just to sort of round out the um, the options, uh, especially since you can destroy multiple items in the same turn if you get uh, Twilight Citadel out. And right. so that was uh, that's also uh, I went with dredge over in tomb for that reason. It's a body on the board. Um, its effect is interruptible. It synchronizes with the uh, Twilight Citadel. Makes a lot of sense. All, all pretty logical. Now, Ulfok is something that I've generally shied away from only because, going back to what we had said just a few moments ago, the format is so wide open that it's sometimes difficult until game two or three to really tell what your opponent's doing. Did you run into that, or did you were you able to zero in on what people were playing right away? I think that's a valid point, um, but Ulfok is the ultimate control tool in the entire game. Um, if you can kind of generally sense where they're going, you can you know try to nab their biggest threat, and that increases your chance to win. Um, for like for instance, I played Pat Eschke with his. Uh, uh, Krabby Winter Wolf, Winter Wolf deck. Right. Uh, game one, I named Krabby Finn with Ulfok, and he scooped. So, <laughs> yeah, that I figured that would happen. <laughs> yeah, like if Ulfok can resolve, it, it makes a huge impact on the game. Yeah, I can definitely see that, especially in in that particular matchup, where even destroying that single component of the combo causes the whole deck to crumble. Yeah. And I could definitely see a lot of decks doing exactly that, especially in a format that is so open where somebody has some wacky idea. And, okay, you could deal with, say, one copy of Earth and Moon, you Ulfok away the rest of them, and then their entire nature-based deck falls apart or something like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. did it come into play in your other matchups? You had mentioned you played Pat, and we've talked about it before. He's playing Wonderful. What else did you 
play against before we move on too far. Okay, so I played uh, I played Andrew Jeske's uh, Spider Solitaire. Um, I played a Tyrus Demon deck. I don't remember his name. And then I also played a Blue Rogue um, kind of equipment manipulation deck. It was very interesting. Okay. Um, and so, uh, at least for Spider Solitaire, uh, Old Flocking, or sorry, Calamity's Grasp greatly increases the chance of winning against that deck. Yes, <laughs> I can definitely agree with that. Because that's one of their sole uh, removal spells in the entire deck is Calamity's Grasp. Right. I mean, I guess they can face check everything, but that's probably going to hurt when Wolfox swings back for five, or even the Draconid hits for four. Right. And yeah, I didn't really rely on the allies so much for damage as just utility. Makes sense. Cool. So what did you ultimately finish on the day? So I was two and two that day. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I lost to both Andrew Solitaire and then Pets Merlux. Okay. I'm assuming he boarded into uh, Slow Mage in games two and three after you destroyed him with Old Fox. <laughs> I don't remember. Let's see. I'm not sure about Slow, but... Because I believe he had that in his board as a pseudo-transformational yeah. option. Um, yeah, just checking the list real quick. He did end up having Slows. He may not have brought them in, but... Yeah, but I just couldn't deal with the uh, the instant Krabby Finn and then attack on, the, on his turn. That was... I had not anticipated that coming into the tournament. Yeah, presence of mind is is an issue, which is something that that line, I may come back to ask you your thoughts on that. Um, Krabby Finn, and, or really Wondervolt in general versus Death Knights. Because um, the next thing I was going to ask you about was Wavestorm Totem and how you felt, because I noticed that you're not running Squall Totem, and usually those two are a pretty tight coupling. So... In your own testing, in your games, did you feel Wavestorm was sufficient? Did you not want to include Squall? You couldn't find the room? Um, yeah, in my testing, I mainly tested against like Slow Mage and Spider Solitaire, uh, Tire Demons, and just like, you know, Blue Hunter or whatever, uh, Worgen and things. Um, I found Squall Totem to be okay in that situation. Um, or sorry, Wavestorm Totem. Uh, in retrospect, I definitely would include Squall Totem because it's a much better tool against aggressive decks than it's really one of Shaman's best tools in the game. Uh, so in that case, I would definitely put it in. Uh, I've since made some modifications to the deck that I think it would work much better. Yeah, I'm pulling that list up now. So again, and all the listeners out there in audio land, the list that is on our site, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com, is the one that was posted for what was run last year. Obviously there's been some time between then and now. So <laughs> I'm looking at your more updated list and yeah, there are some other significant changes, including that squall totem. Yes. So yeah, the squall totem is very important. Uh, one of the biggest changes was going, moving away from a kind of equipment deck and just using equipment as, um, as utility rather than sort of a win condition. Um, all culminating with name Forest Grass. Um, so my current version, I have been going more towards a spark control uh, with uh, Signet of Manifested Pain, Army of the Dead, and a couple others, other changes. That seems like an oldie but a goodie, and that was going to be one of my other questions since you brought it up. Spark, that 
that deck was always kind of on the periphery and always threatening people. Now, that was the blue version way back when with the draw that right. now. So how did it work out here for you? I'm assuming you really liked it since you kind of went all in on the new version. Or maybe yeah, not I all just, in. I've uh, been playing on a tabletop simulator with you know, all the crew there. Um, played a couple of games with it. And then tested against a couple of different decks. Um, and overall, I like it better. Um, so one of the, yeah, Legacy of the Horde is one of my favorite cards in the entire ring set. And so I wanted to uh, make a deck that really works with that. And so that gives you the spark synergy with you know, when you have all the cards on the board, the tokens, the armor, the equipment, and then dealing double damage and taking half damage with Legacy. Oh, I was about to ask you to tell the new listeners out there for what uh, what Legacy of the Horde does, but you oh, beat yes. me to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Legacy of the Horde reduces all damage your party receives, rounded down, and then increases damage rounded up, doubles rounded up is incredible yeah that if that hits play i assume the game is over in short order from there has that been your finding uh usually yeah Uh. i figure if you untap with that in play i can't imagine your opponent getting another turn after that right now i see that's the hope that's the plan i see in the new list you included the another legacy that is not in the one from last year and I'm guessing it took the place of Unleash Inferno. Is that the case? Yes, it did. Uh, so Legacy of Lordaeron, the other rain epic. Um, so it allows me to pull an Ulfuck from my graveyard if I have one. And then with all the, uh, you know, uh, Death Rattle shenanigans from Spider Solitaire, specifically, uh, what's the new, the 6-6? The six, six. You can bring that back to your, in your graveyard. Oh, Anubarak, my, my best friend, Anubarak? Anubarak, <laughs> you can steal him. Uh, just gives you a little bit of presence in the end game and other things. You know, other things don't come through. Yeah, that, yet another thing where it's worth the cost, I would think. You're definitely getting a humongous swing out of those effects. Right, yeah. So... You were running Astral Recall before, and you're running it now as well, but I see you added uh, Chain Purge and Wind Shears, presumably just to give you some more of those control elements compared yes, to what exactly. you had. Uh, Chain Purge is one of the best ability hate cards in the game. It's one of, been one of my favorites for a long time. It's one of those things that I think maybe isn't the reason to play Shaman, but it may actually be, because it's very... Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's as splashy as a lot of their other stuff. Like, Spark definitely catches your eye right away. Mm-hmm. But Chain Purge has that, that quiet power of, okay, I don't care what ongoings you're doing or how many. They're all going away. Right, and one of the biggest differences between the way that I play Spider Solitaire and the way that, um, let's see, the way that uh, Andrew's deck played is I have the Chain Purges in my uh, side deck instead of, say, Buzzdin or... Something like that, um, because they're so powerful. Yeah, you can definitely blow somebody out with those. So for those out there that aren't familiar with it, it's a two-cost shaman ability that lets you destroy up to three abilities, depending on their cost. So you have to destroy the first one. Then if there's another one that costs less, you get to destroy that one. And then you get to destroy a third if it costs even less. Getting. Exactly. 
all three is probably going to be hard, but if you get a two-for-one even on that, say a kite and something else, you're probably pretty happy, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's a good card advantage. Which in a deck like this, although there obviously is the girdle that we discussed, my finding has generally been that both Shaman and Death Knight can struggle at times to draw cards. Has that been something that you've encountered and struggled with as well? Um, yeah, definitely. Like, when you don't get the girl combo, um, you're reliant on your quests. And so I did change some of the quests as well. I to, see a lot of changes there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of my favorite quests in Shaman is Overseer Shadow. So it costs four, and then if you control an ability, you draw a card. If you control an ally, you draw a card. If you control equipment, you draw a card. And it's very often with the totems that you can get all three on the board, and you draw three cards for four. Um, so even with just one totem, you draw two cards for four, which is already, you know, it's fine cost. Exactly, yeah. In fact, a lot of decks would, uh, <laughs> they would go out of their way just to have a pay for draw two. Right, yeah. So before we jump too far into the uh, the other changes for your quest, because as I said, there are a significant number. Let's talk about the equipment, because I'm really excited to hear about Leggings of the Tireless Sentry, because that is one of my favorite cards. Definitely. Like that card, uh, plus Wavestorm Totem, is a soft lock for basically any ally decks. Um, if they can't remove one of those two pieces, you've got the game locked down. So the leggings, for those who may not be familiar, because it didn't, to my knowledge, make a whole lot of splash in general, like at a mm -hmm. high competitive level when it was available. It was a crafting card that, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a three cost, two armor obviously legs, and at the end of, anytime your opponent plays an ally, they come in exhausted, and then at the end of their turn, you exhaust their allies. Yes, exactly, and it's uh, heroes too, so if they oh. play master hero, it comes in exhausted as well. <laughs> that, I'm, did that catch anybody by surprise? Because I forgot about that line. Um, I didn't actually, I don't think I played any master heroes during the tournament, so. It is something to keep in mind, though, because they, uh, I mean, we've talked about on the show a number of different decks that we try to get Deathwing to work. In fact, mm -hmm. we have an episode coming up about Death Knights that uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Deathwing. But it, that can definitely mess up someone's math. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so one of the other key cards that I see in the new list but not in the old one is another favorite of mine and kind of buoys deck list almost by itself. And that's Voice of Reason. Yes, this has been a, uh, one of my favorite cards probably since it came out with the next treasure set. Uh, it's one of the ultimate, uh, you know, kind of stall cards that really puts dent in uh, aggressive games. Yeah, this, this shield, I remember when I first started playing and, uh, not Vindicator's brand, it's, oh, now it's going to drive me crazy. It was a four-cloth shield that every time something on the other side, an ally or hero on the other oh, yeah. team exhausted, you heal too. Vindicator's brand. Well, that's right. the the sword. Oh, what's what was it? It was it was out of a dungeon set. Oh, it's yeah. going to drive me insane. I think it was like Black Temple or Mactheridons. But in any case, this basically kicked that thing to the curb, and nobody ever thought of it ever again. <laughs> because Voice of Reason is bonkers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. Did you find, obviously you included it because you felt you wanted to shore up, I guess, the more aggressive matchups. Do you mm -hmm. find now that 
it does the whole job on its own, do you feel you still need all that other armor, or are you using the other armor just for their ancillary effects? Um, yeah, the other armor is mostly for their, yeah, for their ancillary effects. Um, the yeah, uh, Voice of Reason really helps to mitigate the damage taken, uh, but is not primarily used as, you know, as an armor. Right. As an equipment, I guess. Yeah, I would imagine. But the, the healing that that thing can put out, I know in testing with wife, every time that it hits the table, she groans and gets super <laughs> angry about it. And I don't blame her because I could be at 28 of 29 or, you know, random numbers that I'm throwing out. And then yeah. all of a sudden I'm back down in single digits just yeah, a turn or two later. Turn. You have to close the game out almost immediately or remove it immediately or it just takes over the game. Yes, I agree. And it also gives some synergy with uh, Signet of Manifested Pain. True. Uh, since you're putting two damage on yourself every turn to make a token, you can just heal that two damage back off. That is a very good point. And they, the Signet, which is another new addition that you had mentioned earlier, is another favorite of mine. Now, our Tyrus build was running it, although the mm -hmm. one we typically test against does not run it. Because we... I don't see too many people latch onto it, so I'm glad someone else did. Can you tell us a little bit about why you like the Signet so much? Well, it, uh, it continually makes cards without, like, makes uh, allies without you having to just cast them from your hand. Um, so, you know, it costs for two damage per turn, you make a 2-2, two -two, which is, you know, it's, it's fair trade. It's in, uh, especially with Spark, like, that's one of the influences I took from the old, uh, you know, Kinevis Spark decks, Blue Ally. Right. Blue Ally. Um, it gives you an extra card to spark off of. Yeah, that and it at worst, because I know for a lot of people, the two life may seem daunting, especially since right now a lot of classic seems to be very aggressive or at least very fast, not necessarily an actual aggro deck. And right. the two damage will obviously tick up on you over time, but you're getting virtual card advantage where you could be trading that 2-2 into their guys and not losing any cards in the, the deal. Exactly, yeah. And combined with the Voice of Reason, like you said, being able to both stabilize the board in two ways, that's pretty. That's a, a tall order for an, the opposing deck to try and overcome. Unless they have interrupts. <laughs> I could see where that could be a problem. Although you do, you're running those wind shears, so you do have a little bit on your own to try and keep it from happening. Right, and it's, uh, it's mostly about... With this deck, just getting things on the board, and give it, uh, if that's the case, they usually stick. So, that's, at least that's been my experience. All right. So, you mentioned interrupts, and it didn't sound like you were too excited about them. Is that a hint at uh, where one of the kryptonite, or part of the kryptonite lies for this build? Um, yes and no. It's just, in general, Slow Mage is a very tough deck to beat if you don't really know what you're doing. Uh, so, one of the things I considered was uh, Strangulate from Worldbreaker, the stash effect. Ah, so good, good call. Yeah, so it's a three-cast uh, ability, interrupt target ability, and then you can stash a bit so that opponents can't play abilities in your turn. Um, so that's one thing I considered including, uh, but didn't make it to the final list. Yeah, I could see that maybe as a board option, because whatever turn you want to spark, you kind of, well, you can't do anything about it. Good luck. Right, exactly. So... Other than Slow Mage that you were just bringing up, what other matchups do you feel are really good or really bad, or is there 
is everything kind of, well, if you play it well, you have a chance? Yeah, I think it takes a lot. It depends a lot on you know your draw and your piloting skills. Uh, overall, I feel it does okay against uh, you know demons. Like I beat one of the one of the tires demon decks at Gen Con. Um, I'd say it's good to great against Spider Solitaire if you can Ulfak the key cards, and then Slow Mage if you can just kind of last long enough. They don't really do anything besides interrupt you, so you can wear them down a little bit. Makes sense. Yeah, and I could definitely see if you play around with board options how you could change a lot of those matchups even by including a single card like Strangulate or, you know, any of a variety of other options. I'd say one thing it does struggle a little bit with is um, Warlock, Banish of the Nether, or Lesson of the Nether. Those are, once they can remove the key card from your hand, like that in Rogues as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an uphill battle, battle from there. So would you say, in general, looking at the 10,000-foot view of the deck, does it really fit into control? Is it more combo, or is it kind of a hybrid between the two for you? Yeah, I would say it's uh, combo control, definitely. Makes sense. And that's kind of the way, I mean, you certainly have to... I would be hard-pressed to not say control when you have a couple cards, more than a couple cards, that are above six cost. <laughs> right. So it... You're certainly not winning on turn two and three, unless your opponent, I guess, just, you know, gets super scared. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, you're still making changes. Are you planning on making an appearance this year at Gen Con? Uh, yeah, actually, I already bought my tickets. Awesome. So, I bought my pass already. Great. So, are you planning on playing this, or is it still a secret? Um, so, I've actually been working on some other decks for Classic. Okay. Uh, currently have a, a Druid build. That you know, works all around the nature spells and the ongoings. Nice. Um, let's see if I can pull it up. I currently have a, a couple other things that I'm tinkering with with Classic. Well, that's the beauty of the format. Like we were discussing earlier, that there are so many options. And virtually every day, I'll call up wife on my lunch break or something and say, I just thought of something. Write this down. We'll check it out when I get home. And <laughs> I love she, it. She's pretty tired of hearing that. <laughs> especially because it usually involves sifting through a bunch of binders and boxes, digging a whole bunch of cards out, and then somehow those cards don't ever end up back in the boxes or the binders. It's weird how that happens. You should join us on Tabletop Simulator, then you won't have to go through all the physical activity. Yes, that is a good point. While we're on the subject, so you mentioned that you're playing on there. Uh, I know that there's been a bunch of tutorials, I guess, getting put together by Bradifer and a few other people on the subreddit and then in the Discord. Is that where people can usually find you? Um, lately, yeah, I picked it back up. I had a little hiatus since about since the holidays last year, but um, yeah, I've been tinkering with again. Okay. In the uh, Discord, there's a pretty good community. They can find games usually. Um, so just join us in. There's usually a regular raid night, I think, on Tuesdays or you know whenever you can pull enough people together for it. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually saw this week a whole bunch of names that I recognized, or assuming it's the, the same person and not a coincidence, from the old Cryptozoic forums. Mm -hmm. Like there were a lot of familiar IDs showing up, so it it was cool to see people checking back in. Right. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. Yeah. So let's do before we jump back into anything else, we'll do the. Uh, 
the tiny silly bit. So, real quick, Alliance or Horde? Horde, definitely. Awesome. Constructed or limited? Limited. Uh, all right. Combo, control, or aggro? Combo, control. Ah. <laughs> He's cheating the system. He gets two. Uh, right. <laughs> and then, really, the most important one, Darkwing Duck or Batman? I'm going to say Batman. Ah, come on. You got to elaborate. Why Batman over Darkwing? Um, if you say you don't know who Darkwing Duck is, I'm going to be very upset. Of course I know who Darkwing Duck is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you paused just a little too long and I got worried. Right. I'm, a, I'm a slow thinker sometimes. No, no, it's fine. Um, I don't know. Batman's Batman. That's true. He is the goddamn Batman. That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> That's my reason I'm sticking to it. All right. So uh, to dive back into your deck real quick, any last thoughts on it? If somebody saw your deck and said, hey, this sounds really cool. I would love to play Legacy of the Horde and then spark my opponent for like 5 million damage. If there was like one or a couple top hints to the deck for learning it, is can you sum it up in that? Or do you feel that, you just got to play the deck a whole lot and figure it out. Um, yeah, I mean, I think generally it's, I would say it's not too hard to pilot. Um, you want to get a curve of your equipment initially. You want to uh, mulligan for the combo of the Girdle and Twilight Citadel. Um, you know, Squall Totem and Wave Totem Totem are definitely important depending on what matchup you're going against. Um, yeah, I would say it's not not a uh, too difficult deck to kind of get your hands on. Awesome. So as I've mentioned in other episodes and Wipe has mentioned as well, we have been actually getting a decent number of new people showing up in both the Facebook group and the Discord and on the subreddit and all the, the variety of social media places. So it's if you're listening and you're a newer player, definitely check this out. The deck, it looks like a lot of fun and I... I feel bad that I didn't get to watch it in action while I was there because I heard after the fact that somebody was playing Mogdar and I think the whole convention hall must have heard me scream because I was that excited. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'll have to play against you sometime then. Yeah. You know what's yeah. going to happen is this year we'll play round one because and then I'll play wife round two again. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> we did that in every event last year, in, whether it was WoW or other stuff. We played in round two every round and, or every event. and it. Uh, oh, yeah. It, you always play the person you know in the first or second round. Oh, you have to. It, it's, it's the unwritten law of tournaments. Yes. <laughs> so uh, one last question for you. Are any of those other decks that you were saying that you're still working on, anything ready to share or is it still uh, still in the pot and it's got to cook a little bit longer? Uh, yeah, I think I can have some lists to share. All right, um, hit me with one. <laughs> okay, so I have a Monster Druid Moonkin form deck. Ooh. So again, it's going back to Ulfok as one of the key control cards in the entire format. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've got, let's see, Insect Swarm and Moonfire to deal with early game. Uh, Ancient Moonkin form from uh, Betrayal, where if you have so many ongoings, you get to draw cards and it increases your non-combat damage. Yep, I remember that guy. We got Hurricane, which is just a massive card against any ally deck. Hurricane is backbreaking. <laughs> deck, really. Um, Nether Breath Spellblade, 
which is a great card for recurring your key spells. And then some uh, resource shenanigans as well. That sounds pretty good because Boomkin is a deck that I really like and was another one that was always kind of like the Spark deck. I'm so I'm sensing a theme where it's like they were on the periphery and you're you're bringing them into tier one. I'm trying to anyway. <laughs> they uh, I do remember at Worlds 2013 I was playing the classic side event. Uh, I was playing Jasani, which is another super late game control deck because it's the Druid mm-hmm. Hunter one, and it basically played like Slow Mage. Because you use Snipe and Bombard as, air quotes, interrupts. And I remember going against Boomkin, and it was a nightmare. Because you could just bounce the Moonfire, and I had a difficult time touching it. Because you could bounce it in response to things. Such as a Snipe trigger. So, I'm a little bit worried if you show up with that Boomkin deck. (laughs) That may cross Jasani off the list, but we'll see. Yeah, Jasani is actually one I've considered as well with Moonkin. But right now I'm sticking straight through it. And I know that uh, Dan Clark at Worlds 2013 had a contemporary Moonkin uh, Druid. That was really cool. Interesting. I'll have to see if I can research that because I, uh, I'll be honest, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the main event. <laughs> I yeah, mean, he made it into, I know he made it in top eight um, with his contemporary deck. but I'm sure it's out there on the internet somewhere. We can dig it yeah. up. <laughs> so this way I don't keep you all night uh any last minute plugs shout outs props and slops if you if you're around long enough that you remember that from tournament reports oh yeah i remember uh <laughs> let's see i would just i want to say if anyone wants to do a cube draft on tabletop uh simulator get at me because i am down for that where can people find you on there or how would they go about trying to track it down so my uh my screen name is joy to the green well you heard it there folks you can Check them out on Discord, I assume, under that? Yes, on Discord. Okay, cool. And the Discord, which I think well, I'm going to have to create a uh, like community resources link on the site to put the Discord and everything like that on there as well. Uh, but right now, I believe you can just track it down through the, the WoW TCG subreddit. For those out there listening, definitely check it out. It's a really active community there. And, I mean... As we've been doing this interview, I've been getting a whole bunch of messages about people looking for games. So <laughs> if you want to try and pick up some games and you don't have anybody physically nearby, that's your option. Yeah, join us. <laughs> <laughs> one of us. One of us. <laughs> well, Nathan, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for listening to me ramble a lot. Oh, that's okay. I'm happy, happy to be here. Yeah, we definitely love to have you back on, and we're excited to see you and everybody else at Gen Con. And uh, for everybody out there, keep listening. Check in next time for some more Random's Thoughts. So for all other things Random's Thoughts, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. At our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com, you can now find us on Facebook under the tag of Random's Thoughts. Or find us on Twitter at randthoughtpod. That's at R-A-N-D thoughtpod. And please feel free to reach out to us on Gmail at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon.